Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for November 26, 2017. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Yeah, I know everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Even though these kinds of holidays can be hectic, involving a lot of preparation and good stress in a way. Uh, we're reminded of family and friends. And uh, one of my good Dharma brothers, fellow minister, used to say, you know, just sharing life together. You always use that phrase, share. Oh, it's so nice to share life together. And indeed, that's so true. Uh, and isn't it nice that we have giving holiday thanksgiving so it's all about giving thanks uh, really nice focus in fact I did I did uh, got a request to do a uh, I got an email that said uh, you did uh, Sensei you did uh, Tisarana for me some years ago and you know uh, I never really followed up on it and I want to can I do it again? I want to rededicate myself to my spiritual journey and so forth. Well, I, I wrote him and said, well, we could do a, a vows renewal. Okay. Not like you have to do the whole service again uh, and get a new Dharma name and so forth. And um, uh, I said, well, write a, a short little essay on why you want to why you know why you want it, your motivation in uh, re reestablishing yourself on a Dharma path, and then after you read it over, uh, boil it down to one word or a short phrase that summarizes it. And he and he did so, and he his article was on. He just realized what he's grateful for in life, in all kinds of ways. And he said, my one word is gratitude. And uh, it was very nice. Uh, so we did a telephone uh, renewal service, very simple. And um, uh, but I was thinking about gratitude, and since it would, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, still Thanksgiving weekend, um, and I had an experience just this morning, and, and I have it quite often, but every time I call in to do this show, you know, the, the, server, the server is Blog Talk Radio, and uh, I have a card that tells you what, what numbers to call and, and then what uh, access number to dial once you call it. You know, you know there's certain steps or links in the process. And so I call in the the number, and sure, blog talk, and you know, the voice answers, <laughs> and she says, "Okay, welcome to Blog Talk Radio, and please enter your access number." Then you, I enter that number, and then it gives me to the next step, and it's another voice that says, "If you want to start your show now, press one." Uh, and my experience was. <laughs> 
uh, you dial a number and it goes through and you get who you're supposed to get. Oh, it just makes me feel good. And then I'm wondering, so I hope, I hope nothing goes wrong today. And, and another voice comes on, press one for, you know, so start your show now. Ah, it just makes me feel so good. It's like the universe is taking care of everything. This is, might seem strange, but I remember years ago when I, I was talking to a friend, a Dharma friend, and he, and he said, uh, he was talking about his, well, I guess you could call it spiritual path is, and so forth. And he, and he was thinking, talking about what he's doing right now about it. And he's being very aware when he eats, mindful eating. And then he also said he had a nice significant experience for him. And he said he was waiting for a bus, bus number such and such, and he's waiting, and then the bus came. And that's all he said. And he said this was a significant experience for him. You know, just just happened that he didn't elaborate on this. Uh, what, what do you think this, what's going on here? Well, I think. It's the universe taking care of us. He's waiting for bus 31, and bus 31 comes. Oh, now this, I thought, was a, kind of an unusual example of awareness, gratitude, causes and conditions. The universe, you could, call, you could kind of personalize it and say, oh, oh, this is the... The universe is compassion. Huh? Universal compassion that you're being taken care of. Everything's okay in the world. You got a place and so forth. This is kind of an unusual spiritual experience. But I think it's a very crucial one. And so I was thinking about this kind of gratitude aside from the normal aspects of that we might think about being thankful for all kinds of things and people, but uh, the crucial thing, a lot of time when you think of gratitude, you think about the outside things that you're grateful for, you know, that, that the source is outside external, but uh, maybe you need those conditions are helpful, but the real cause is something way deep inside you. And it's not one's own gratitude, but somehow the <laughs> universal gratitude is bubbling up in us when we open up to it. Uh, I think of another example. I read this little excerpt, uh, and it told the story of a, a mother and a young daughter. Uh, it didn't give any details, specific details, but Let's say it was in war-torn Europe, in Bosnia or someplace like that, and uh, the whole town is is demolished uh, by bombs and stuff. It's all rubble, and, and they're wandering around, and this mother and young daughter, and they have to find shelter for the night. It's getting dark and cold. The wind is cold. And they find a, a, 
a door that was blown off its hinges, but it was still intact. And so they were able to get in around in some in the rubbles of an old building, and they could lean this door against crumbling brick wall, and they could huddle up behind this door to shout to them from the cold wind. So, oh, we found this door, and okay, now we're ooh, now we're cozy now, and you know. And then the little girl said, "Mom, do people who don't have a door do on cold windy nights like this?" When I read that, I thought, you know, the importance of well, you could call it relativeness. But there's an absoluteness in there, and that absoluteness comes from something deep inside a person's, well, I don't know whether you call it heart, spirit, or mind, or whatever, um, a different perception of their world of experience. Huh? Or I even think about an essay that appeared on the Internet. It was titled Gratitude, and it was about an adult daughter who was had traveled and the father was dying and she went to the hospital and was at his bedside. Father's dying. And for the first time, so deep, she felt gratitude. She discovered a kind of gratitude deep within herself huh? about the fact that, you know, all kinds of things, like the fact that she was able to come in time to spend the last moments with her dying father. In gratitude about the parent-child relationship and, you know, but all these things were made possible by this occasion, which was the father's dying. That's when she learned about gratitude. And so deep, it really was a spiritual experience. And death itself I often say at a when I do a give a minister's message at a funeral or something, you know, death is a profoundly spiritual event. Huh? So we have to really be able to open up to all these sources of of how the universe is, you know, and everything's okay with the big O. <laughs> okay, everything's okay. Even when things are not going okay, the second okay is a small O. The relative, in the relative world, yeah, things are not going okay. My father's dying. Hey, things are not okay. My my town is all bombed out. Uh, Finding an absolute life in a relative world. I heard that phrase when I was listening to a Dharma talk once from a visiting minister. That's what Buddhism is all about, he said. Find living a living an learning how to live an absolute life in a relative world. Holy mackerel! <laughs> well, I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today. His name is Kyle. Kayo is his Dharma name, and he was part of our LM seven group. Okay, um, we're on our LM uh, ten group now. It's going to be being inducted and graduating next spring and LM11 two LM11 groups LM11A and B okay we call them affirmation and 
beautiful groups have started because we had so many applicants. For the first time for LM11 group, they started a few months ago, and uh, they will be on tap for induction in May of 2019. <laughs> but Kyle Cayo, part of LM7, he lives in Arizona, and here he is. Thank you, Sensei. And thank you everyone for listening. My Dharma glimpse today is on procrastination. In my youth, I was a horrible procrastinator. I put everything off until the very last minute. Deadlines with consequences were the only reason I accomplished anything. I procrastinate because I am avoiding doing a task that I find unpleasant. The Buddha reminds us that we should not engage in avoidance or attachment, and in some ways, those things are not that different. If I always attach an unpleasant feeling to a task, I will want to avoid doing that task. If I can learn to attach a neutral feeling to that task, I will stop avoiding that task. So when faced with an unpleasant task, I remind myself that taking steps today will help take the load off the future me. Taking on things proactively lowers my stress and also helps when unplanned emergencies pop up. Tackling the stuff that needs to be done early helps free up time later. But even using all these mindsets, I still procrastinate, especially with those things that really don't seem to affect me too greatly. Recently, I heard the phrase, doing something today helps someone else tomorrow. And at first, I assumed the phrase applied only to myself. By doing something today, I am in fact helping the future version of myself. But as I reflected on this, path, this phrase more and more, I realized that by doing something today, I am in fact helping other people. Procrastination can and does burden someone else. This simple nugget, doing something today helps someone else tomorrow, has helped me to not procrastinate immensely. By putting off something as mundane as dishes, you increase the chance of insects, smells, and clutter. The task of doing dishes becomes more involved the longer you wait, and as the dishes pile up and the smell gets worse, and the irritation to others and yourself grows. I have felt irritation because of the sloppiness of others and the sloppiness of myself. I've also cleaned up the messes of others and felt angry about doing it because I was so fed up with the mess. I have no doubt that others have been annoyed with my laziness and my sloppiness. So procrastination affects not only me, but those around me. I have to focus on the effect my actions have on others. I can live with being a burden to myself but I am very uncomfortable with the idea of burdening someone else. So for me, for me, the idea of doing something today helps someone else tomorrow focuses on the impact of my actions or lack of actions and how these affect others. I hope you can be productive in all your endeavors and embrace those not so pleasant tasks. May all beings be happy.
thank you, thank you. <laughs> Procrastination. I mean, as soon as you hear that word, you know it applies to you, to everybody. Uh, and you know, I was thinking too when you start to think about it. Um, someone who does not procrastinate at all, I think that person has a problem, huh? It becomes sort of compulsive behavior. So it's always a matter of degree, isn't it? It's not procrastination, no versus no procrastination. But it's when it becomes a problem and one begins to self-victimize oneself. That self-victimization is a phrase that that really helps me, you know, especially when you talk about attachment, non-attachment teachings in Buddhism. Um, you get attached to something, and that's not necessarily bad. <laughs> it could be good. It all depends. Uh, to the degree, well, one lot to a lot of factors, but one factor would be: does it, does that attachment victimize yourself? Does it, you know, and you know what it means when it's going to victimize yourself? Okay, it's causing problems, okay, in your personal life. If it doesn't, maybe you need more attachment in your life, attachment to good goals, to good, you know. <laughs> The things that benefit yourself and your spiritual path and your understanding and so forth. So it's not attached. And of course, non-attachment does not mean detachment. And that's something that, you know, oh, you're not supposed to care about anything. <laughs> Have some passion. Okay. Not if it does not self-victimize yourself. And I say self-victimization. There's no external standard of, oh, now you're a victim. Okay. A starving artist that suffers so much, but that's his choices. He, to be an artist in this kind of life, his lifestyle, uh, you know. So I think when you talk about something like procrastination, well, we could all relate to it, you know. And when we delve into it, we find all kinds of little gems like Kyle Kayo did and his aspect of, oh, does it, normally we think, oh, it's just something, it's just a sort of a character flaw in me that, uh, uh, so that I'm not as productive or, you know, so forth for my, my own goals. But indeed, it probably affects those that, you know, in domestic, other, Family members and close friends depends, of course, what you're procrastinating about. But sure, it affects other people. So in a way, yeah, I could see where you take that to heart, and responsibility is broadened, and oh, and whatever it takes to get over the hump when you want to not procrastinate or get over it. Hey, or another aspect I would imagine is that. You redefine or reframe the, what you're procrastinating about. Because usually you, it's something you don't want to do. It's, it's not something pleasurable. It's a chore. Huh? 
or there's some competing things that distract you. But for example, supposing your house is getting dirty and you should vacuum up. Ah, vacuuming, that is a household chore that you have to do, right? But if we, I think what we might call everyday enlightenment or enlightenment through doing household chores might involve, hey, uh, you know, I want clean house because maybe company's coming or you're having a social event or party or something at your house. So that's the only time your house gets cleaned up because you got a deadline. It's, it's this weekend or something like that, and, and you'll do it. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, you say, well, I'm going to – and I'm not I – su- I suppose I might sound like I'm bragging, but and that's my pride, I suppose. But I don't mind vacuuming. I used to, but now I reframed it, you know. And I said, uh, you know, I said, well, I equated vacuuming to uh, like sitting meditation in terms of the mindfulness. And instead of vacuuming uh, with a distracted mind, you're thinking about other things, you're just doing something, the vacuuming, to get it over with, it's a necessary thing. It's a have-to thing. Okay, I, uh, I, I, I could consider it a kind of exercise. I could be more mindful of my muscles. I do it much more slowly. Take my time. Okay. Um. Not just that, oh, I enjoy this or, or this is okay or something like that, but something it's not it's something goes beyond bad and good or pleasant, unpleasant. You just become one with doing that. And I don't have to think, oh, I turned a bad thing into a good thing or a pleasant thing, unpleasant thing into a pleasant thing. It's not like that. But just, oh, you start right. Now, even though there might be some resistance before you start, okay, but once you start doing it, start vacuuming, boom, you're one with it, okay. Um, but somehow I don't mind vacuuming anymore. Did you ever go for a walk without any destination in mind, you know? Maybe you had a destination in mind, but once you start walking, you enjoy the walking. Walking is not just a means to go to the store or something like this, but there's a joy in walking. Or as Thich Nhat Hanh would say, it's a miracle. (laughs) The miracle is not to walk on water. It's just to walk on the earth. Wow. In fact, <laughs> I got a, over Thanksgiving. My cousin gave me a. Uh, she found a a sign. It's a small sign, cardboard sign, and it was. I guess it was in a kind of like a antique store or something. But it's a sign from the 40s or 50s, uh, advertising agricultural 
uh, uh, packing house or something like this, and and it was you could tell it's it's in the artistic style of the early fifties, and but it was a little squirrel-like on one side, and it was holding up a sign. The big sign said "Wow," and then on the on the bottom part it had such and such and such of uh, Marshall Farms and you know purveyors of fruit and uh, <clears throat> vegetables and so forth. Sanger, California. Okay, and then on the back it said this. You know we certify that this is an authentic original sign from that era and so forth. But the reason my cousin gave it to me is because wow is a tremendous expression of the wonder of being able to walk, of waiting for a bus and the bus comes. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. Ordinary person might say, might look at you with a jaundiced eye and say, hey, this person's crazy. He's saying, wow, because he's waiting for the bus and the bus came. Hmm? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> That's all for today's broadcast. Keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.